Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us here in person. Thank you for those that are faithful online. We are so glad to always see you with us. All right, just a couple of announcements. Um, This Friday, there is a youth rally in Toma that starts at 7.30. There's going to be a taco bar after. Uh, It's only going to be $5. You know, you can't even go to McDonald's for $5 now. So that is an amazing deal. Uh, Brother Parker is going to be the speaker there, so you want to be there. All right, then November 11th, we have our men's prayer at 8, our ladies' meeting at 10. Please be here. Please come. And then just a reminder that we are continuing to accept uh, offering for the Tupelo Children's Mansion gift cards. Uh, We want to get $25 gift cards for each of those children, as many as we can, as many children as we can. Uh, We want to bless them at Christmas. You know, this is their home. Uh, Some of them are there for many years. Uh, So it's become their family. We want to bless them. And then as Pastor mentioned in the first service, we do have a thank you card in the back uh, to send to Whitehall, the church in Whitehall, for hosting us this last Sunday. It was an amazing time. Can't, uh, Can't wait to get together with them again. Hallelujah. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye, all is peace forevermore on that What a day, glorious day, that will be. What a day, that will be, when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day, that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there, and forever I will be. With the one who died for me, what a day, glorious day, that will be. What a day, that will be, when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day. That will be, there'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there, and forever. 
day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day, that will be. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Looking forward to that day when we see you face to face. Lord, there will be no more suffering, no more pain. Hallelujah, there will be peace forevermore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. No more crying there. We are going to see the King. No more crying there. We are going to see the King. No more crying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the King. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we know these are the end times, the, the end times Lord Jesus. You are coming soon. Help us to be ready, Lord. Help us to see others get ready. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow, many arrows pierce my soul from the but my Lord leads me on, through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all past. Home at last, ever to rejoice. When in service for my Lord, dark may be the night. But I'll cling more close to Him. He will give me light. Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside. But my Lord goes ahead. Leads wherever betide. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last. Ever to rejoice when in valleys low I look toward the mountain height and behold my Savior there leading in the fight with the tender hand outstretched toward the valley low. Guiding me, I can't see as I onward go. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When before me billows rise from the mighty deep, then the Lord directs my bark, safely keep. And he leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real friend to me. Oh, I love him so. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Hallelujah. Praise God. You looking forward to seeing Him? I want to see Him face to face, not through a glass darkly. I can't wait to experience the fullness of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now we have the earnest of our inheritance, but there we're going to receive everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a hope we have, church. What an awesome hope we have in Him. Amen. Whatever it is we face down here, whatever circumstances we encounter, they don't matter when compared to what we are about to receive. And I say about to receive. It's coming quick, folks. He's coming soon. Amen. For those that are ready, 
We're going we're gonna to meet Him together in the air. Praise God. And all this stuff, all this junk isn't going to matter one bit anymore. Praise God. We have a hope this morning in Jesus Christ. Praise God. A hope not of this world. If it were in this world, we would be of all men most miserable. But it is out of this world. Literally and figuratively. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. We are going to finish uh, something we started a few Wednesdays ago. Uh, I didn't feel a liberty to do that Wednesdays I did have, but uh, I feel that today. So we're going to finish this. Uh, authority to initiate. And our scripture text is found on Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. <clears throat> we'll do a bit of review and then we'll finish it up. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23 states this, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. <clears throat> we talked about uh, the church being the ecclesia, or the assembly, God's governing body. Amen. That as God's people, we are designed to be a very diverse and distinct of people from each other. Uh, we are not to conform religiously to one standard. Well, the standard of Jesus Christ, of course, but, but I'm not supposed to be you. You're not supposed to be me. You're not supposed to think like I am. Uh, we're all supposed to think like Jesus thinks. But we all have different personalities. We all have different callings, different offices, different talents, gifts, and abilities. And we need to exercise those distinctively. Separate from me. Separate from you. Amen. Every Christian, every child of God has a unique calling, has a unique office, a unique gift and talent, a position within the body of Christ. And you need to be there. I don't care if we need more Sunday school teachers. If you're not called to teach Sunday school, I don't want you there. No offense. You're not supposed to be there. You're supposed to be somewhere else. We need to figure out where you're supposed to be so you can do that. Let God take care of the rest. There is a danger in all of God's people conforming to one idea of what it means to be a Christian. I explained that the last time. Uh, I don't need to worship God the same way that you worship God, and vice versa. I don't need to pray the same way that you pray, and vice versa. Uh, those kinds of things. God's people are described in Ephesians. The, uh, the verse that we read, uh, Ephesians 1.22 as an assembly, to be the head over all things to the church, that church, ecclesia. His body, Ephesians 1.23, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. The church is described as his workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. This refers to uh, the realm of creation, art, etc. We are referred to as his household or his family in Ephesians 2.19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. In Ephesians 2.21, we are referred to as God's temple, in whom, are the building, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Ephesians 5, 25-27, it's not stated directly, but it's inferred that we are His bride. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And in Ephesians 6, 10-11, we are referred to as His army. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand 
the wiles of the devil. <clears throat> and we are to fulfill all of those things in periods of time. We are all of those things. This lesson is, is focusing on the church as his assembly, the ecclesia, the governing body or of, the governing body of a state or a city. In ancient times, in ancient Greece, every city had an assembly. The people would gather together there and they would pass laws. They would issue decrees that would uh, be binding on the citizens of that city or state. This word church was used secularly well before Jesus came to establish his church. Looked at a few examples in Acts chapter 19 where an assembly was called. It's the same word that uh, Ephesians uses for church. Assembly, of course, was a group of people, not a building. They met in a building, typically. Uh, the Greeks would meet in the, uh, the theater there in the city. But uh, it was a group of people. So the assembly, answering three questions as it relates to God's people being an assembly. First question we're trying to answer is what purpose of God does it serve? What purpose of God was he trying to serve when he established his church, his ecclesia, his assembly, his governing body? We want to look at this from God's point of view, not ours. Second question we need to answer is what does it imply or require in our relationship with God? If I'm part of the army, what does that tell me about my relationship with the commander-in-chief, for example? If I'm part of the bride, what does that tell me about my relationship with my bridegroom? The third thing is, what does it imply or require in our relationship with others in the group? If I'm a soldier, if I'm part of God's army, what are my relationships with my fellow soldiers supposed to look like? What are my obligations, my attitudes toward my fellow assemblymen? Supposed to be. Okay. Question one. What's God's purpose in the assembly? The assembly represents or expresses God's government or authority. We understand, and we'll talk more about it in depth later, that God has all power. He has all authority. We all understand that. How He exercises that power and that authority is what the, the, the point of this message is today. How he exercises that, how he manifests his power and authority is the point of this lesson. Question two, what does it imply or require in our relationship towards God? It requires that we conduct ourselves with order. Paul used the, the phrase decently and in order. And in that passage of Scripture, he was referring to the church as ecclesia or the assembly. Question three, what does it imply or require in our relationship toward each other? The primary thing it requires one toward another is recognition. Recognition of one another's gifts and talents. Recognition of one another's offices as being valid, as being necessary. We, we must recognize the office, the ministry that each person in the assembly holds and respect that. Just because you're not a crazy good soul winner, you're not bringing 50 people into church like I am every week, doesn't mean you're, you're any less important. You serve an equally important position in the assembly, in the body of Christ, in God's army, in the bride of Christ, etc., etc. We like to focus on one or two offices and really push those out. The Bible doesn't teach that at all, folks. There are no big eyes and little U's. There are no big offices and little offices. They are all offices, and they're all necessary. Just as necessary as every other office. Amen. Conditions of, of admission into the assembly of God. We talked about that. Salvation. Acts 2.38. We need to recognize... I won't have time to go into that again. Salvation is important. But making one, one, uh, one point on this aspect before we move on. Uh, entrance into the assembly. Not everyone is in the assembly. Not everyone is in. In the, in the Greek city-states, there were people that were excluded automatically. 
women were excluded. Slaves were excluded. If you were a, a, not a citizen, you were excluded. Uh, just outright. So there are certain things you need to do to be in the assembly. You cannot get into Christ's assembly and bypass Christ. You've got to get into His assembly through Him. He is the door. Okay, we understand Acts 2.3. We understand the plan of salvation. You need to incorporate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You need to live a holy and a godly life. That gains you entrance into the assembly. Okay, we spent a lot more time on it last lesson, but we've got to move on. If you sneak in by some other way, the Bible says you're a thief and a robber. You've got to come through the main door. That door is Jesus Christ. Jesus controls entrance. He determines who gets in and who doesn't. It's His assembly. Okay, Zion. And I think this is where we left off. One title describes perfectly the idea this idea of God's people as His assembly, and that's the word Zion. Every time you see Zion, you'll want to think of God's people met together in divine order, under divine authority. Okay, Hebrews 12, 22-24 states this, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. There are several groups of people listed here. One group is angels. Angels are listed as part of this group, Mount Zion. The church is listed. Ecclesia. The General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn. I'm sorry, Assembly is translated. No, Church is translated, Ecclesia. Assembly here is translated uh, from the word Panagoras, which means, I think we talked about this, it's kind of like a, a change of command ceremony. It's a very formal, very uh, elegant parade. It's a, it, it's a, it's a ceremonial thing uh, filled with, Decorum, filled with uh, rules and regulations, those kinds of things. It's, it's something that's done properly. It's done in order. You don't just willy-nilly your way through it. You stand at parade rest. You stand at attention. Uh, you do all of these things during the change of command ceremony. All the bigwigs are there. It's speaking of a very solemn, well-ordered, authoritative gathering of which the church is a part. It speaks of just men made perfect. A lot of scholars believe that's referring to Old Testament believers. In any case, this is a general gathering including believers from every dispensation as well as angels spanning all of time and eternity. Okay, so what does that have to do with us? We're getting to that. The assembly's authority. <clears throat> Jesus Christ possesses all power and all authority in His creation. Matthew 28.18 states, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Ephesians 1, 19-23 states this, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Acts 4.12 states, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. <clears throat> Alright. So, we've established Jesus has all the power. He has all the authority. No one else does. So how does He exercise His infinite authority? Let's look at Psalm 110, verse 2. Psalm chapter 110 and verse 2 states this, The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. 
Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. First thing I'd like to say about this verse is Jesus is ruling in the midst of his enemies. All his enemies haven't been conquered yet. But he's still in charge. He still rules. He's still on the throne. Amen. And he rules out of Zion. Look at it like this. God's people meet in divine assembly, divine order, and under divine authority. And the Lord, through the prayers, through the work, through the testimonies, Bible studies, He sends forth His rod, the symbol of rule and authority. He rules through His church. He exercises His infinite authority through His assembly, through the church, the ecclesia. In ancient times, the king's scepter or rod was the symbol of his power and authority. And it was engraved with the king's name. The king's name is on the rod, a symbol of his authority. In ancient times, the, 12 tri- the leaders of the, each tribe of Israel had a rod upon which was engraved his name, indicating that man's authority. When God sent Moses under God's authority to Egypt... What did God send him with? A rod. He asked Moses, what is that in your hand? A rod. Throw it down. Turns into a snake. He told him to pick it up. He told him to pick it up the wrong way, didn't he? You don't pick a snake up by the tail. You pick it up by the head. He told him to pick it up by the tail. So God said, that's enough. Now go. That's all you need. He went into Egypt with this rod. The authority of God. And took over the government of Egypt. Now, who is on the throne? Pharaoh was on the throne, right? Pharaoh was on the throne. But who was in charge? God through Moses was in charge. Absolutely. As Christians, a lot of times I think God is asking us, what do you have in your hand? We're saying, God, I want you to do this. God, we need to do that. What do you have in your hand? We have a rod. We have God's authority. We have been called to exercise that authority, that infinite authority. Folks, I'm going to bang on this for a while because it's difficult to understand how much authority God has placed in His church. It is difficult for us to grasp the level of authority that we have as the body of Christ. If you look at the Scriptures, if you search them out, and I I ask that you do, I always ask that you do, every time I speak, anytime anyone speaks, search it out, pray, pray about it. But search it out, folks. The power and the authority that God has vested in this body, this ecclesia, is infinite. It's infinite. To be used on His behalf, for His glory, the building of His kingdom, all of that, But it's infinite. He will not exercise His authority but through this body. That's the will of God. His rod goes out of Zion. His rod goes out of His ecclesia. Pharaoh was the secular ruler, but Moses determined the destiny of the nation. Whenever Moses stretched forth his rod, whatever he spoke happened. And it happened right when he said it would. Now, he was under the direction of God. But, there were some things that Moses threw in there all by himself. Pharaoh, you tell me when the plague is going to stop. God didn't instruct Moses to say that. There's nothing in there about that. But that's what Moses said, and God honored it. God pulled the plague back right when Pharaoh said. When God told Moses to set a bone, 
around the mount. He didn't tell them where. You speak, and I'll honor it. You issue the edict, and I'll back it up. That's the will of God, folks. That's the will of God. We, God's assembly, His governing body, should operate the same way. Christ's rule is made effective when we in the assembly take our rightful place. Our rightful place. Recognize our responsibility and our authority and exercise it on behalf of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Ghost. There are so many things that should be happening in the world today. There are many things that shouldn't be happening in the world today. Except that the church will not step up. The church does not recognize who it is supposed to be. I'm telling you folks, we don't know who we are. But we need to. Just like Moses wouldn't have delivered Israel, except he accepted who he was supposed to be. He argued with God. No, I can't. No, I can't speak. Oh, I can't do this. He finally went. And he allowed himself to be used the way God wanted him to be used. And because he did, the nation of Israel was delivered from from Egypt. God is not going to do what He wants to do in this world until His church accepts the same level of responsibility, the same level of authority, and steps out in faith in that office. It won't happen. He's waiting on us. You can pray all you want. God start moving. God start pouring out. God do... He's waiting on us. I'm telling you. He's waiting on us. So it's imperative today that we understand two crucial points. Jesus Christ is ruling now. Not tomorrow, not someday, but right now. And He is ruling through you. He is ruling through me, through His ecclesia. Amen. Choke it down. Do whatever you need to do. That's a lot to take in. It was a lot for me to take in. God started talking to me about this stuff. I spent a long time on this before I brought it to you. So, I have that advantage. Take some time with it. Yeah, chew on it. Pray about it. Seek God over it. Jesus is ruling right now and He's ruling through His assembly, His governmental body. It's out of us that go forth the decrees that determine the destiny of kings and nations and peoples. Does God rule over nations? Yes or no? And He does it through us. You don't like something that's going on in the world? Take care of it. That's what I'm talking about, folks. That's what I'm talking about. God's governance of His creation is accomplished through us. 1 Corinthians 6, 1-3 says this, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Before the ecclesia? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Angels are going to be bringing their causes to you for judgment. And we can't settle our petty differences one between another. We can't judge righteous judgment between ourselves. Paul was chastising the Corinthian church for this. Why? Because we are supposed to be the ecclesia. We are supposed to be God's governing body. We are supposed to be to the point where we're able to judge between right and wrong. We're able to judge righteous judgment in this world. They were living down in the dust and didn't realize that they were God's ruling, governing body. Matthew 18, 15-17 states this, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. 
But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the ecclesia. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. And this is something else that I'm talking about. The level of power and authority that we possess as his governing body. According to this scripture, folks, the ecclesia, God's governing body, has the authority to remove salvation. Show me where I'm wrong here. I know this is a lot, folks. I understand. I hope you take a lot of time with it. Because if, it, if I'm right, we need to get going on this. If I'm wrong, then somebody needs to talk to me about it. <clears throat> That's the kind of power and authority we have. What's so frightening is how much authority we've been given and how little qualified we are to exercise it. I speak for myself too. That individual will not submit to the decision of the assembly. They forfeit their place in the body. Matthew 18, 18-20, Jesus continues, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. What's very interesting to me about this passage of Scripture is that the initiative isn't placed on God. The initiative is placed on you. It's placed on me. Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. You speak the word and I'll back it up. When we agree on earth, heaven does it. When we bind on earth, heaven does it. We're waiting on God to move sometimes in vain, folks. Because He's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to exercise our rightful place in His governing body. Amen. We still need to seek direction from God. Moses was still under God's authority. And this is vitally important to understand with this whole thing. is Divine authority, spiritual authority, must be adhered to. If we are not under divine authority, this is all null and void. We have no authority. We must be under authority, all of us. All of us must recognize God's authority on someone and submit ourselves to it. Period. And when we do, we take our rightful place in God's governing body. We still seek direction from God, but within the commandment of God lies room for us to operate as well, just like Moses did. Joshua told the son to stand still. God honored it. God expects us to make the decrees within the confines of His will, and God will enforce them. All right, what's required in us? Divine order. Divine order. <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians 11, 12, and 14, Paul is viewing God's people primarily as the assembly. Whenever you see the word church in those chapters, think of it as God's governing body. Bear in mind that an assembly is not always in session. As Christ's body, we're always functioning as Christ's body. We're generally always functioning as His army. But His assembly is not always in session. 
If we look at some passages of Scripture, they are very controversial. Unless you understand Paul is referring to an assembly in session and not just the church. And I'm going to throw one of those out here. 1 Corinthians 14.34 Let your women keep silence in the church, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Before I move any farther on this, I'm going to say something. I want to know what truth is. I want to know what thus saith the Lord. And again, I don't care how I feel about it. I'm going to choke that down. I'm going to pray through. I'm going to get, I'm going to get right with that. If I know the Word of God says something, I'm going to go with it. Okay? I hope you feel the same way. Now, this Scripture has been taken out of context a lot because of people's idea of the church. People think that we get together in worship service, the women need to stay silent. That's not what it's saying. Feel free to speak in church, women. What this is saying is, in the ecclesia, in God's governing body, if you look at Scripture, folks, you will discover that in God's government, government, there are no women in government. That's that's not a place for, for the women to be. Okay? Now, I don't know how you feel about that. But uh, it's, it's true. Again, look it up. Pray about it. In God's government, there are, uh, there are no women. Okay? That's what it's saying. The Scripture's right in there, folks. It needs to be dealt with. It needs to be taught. They are not permitted to speak in the assembly, in the governing body. That's what Paul is saying. If Paul were speaking of the body, it would be different altogether. This is a principle of Scripture. Now, this is a two-edged sword, men, because that means that you need to step up. That means that you men need to take authority. You need to exercise your rightful place in the ecclesia. I don't know if we are. I don't know if we're doing a very good job at that. Men should be the ones leading us in prayer. Men should be the ones leading us in worship. Men should be the ones leading us in ministry. Today, men have become passive. And we have stepped aside and we've let the women do it. And they do. And they do a good job. Because no one else will. That's what they do. But I don't believe that's ever God's will. That's ever God's plan. Now, Please understand what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the ecclesia. I'm not saying that women are unimportant. I'm not saying that women don't have ministries, because they do. I'm not saying that women can't get up here and preach. They can. But the governing area is not theirs to fulfill. Okay, you got a question? You want to come rail at me? Please come. Please come. I'm serious. I'm serious. If I say anything you disagree with, please come talk to me. I mean that with all my heart. You disagree with me, come talk to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. Let's find out together. Okay? But as I see it, that's what the Scripture is saying. There are other verses that could be pulled out as well. This is a very important topic for us to understand. It's very important. This is God's governmental body. It's like the White House. It's like Buckingham Palace. And when Paul says that things need to be done decently and in order, he's referring to this process of government. He's referring to the fact that Things need to be done with decorum.
the church as a whole has not begun to grasp its position or responsibility as Christ's assembly. And I think, in a large part, we betray that by the way we act. By the way that we act. This is God's governmental body. Conduct and dress that would be perfectly legitimate anywhere else is not permitted in a governmental assembly. It's not. I can't show up to a session of Congress dressed in t-shirt and flip-flops. They don't. They don't. I'll get you later, Bob. (laughs) If we don't show respect for God's assembly, who will? How can the world, or more importantly, how can the enemy... Respect a church that doesn't respect itself. In the assembly, the governing body functions only when we recognize each other's office. What has God made you? What is your office? What is your function? What are your gifts and talents? We've talked about this earlier, but it becomes even more important now. We need to know, folks. You need to know primarily, but then we need to know. What is your office? Where has God placed you in His body? What have you been called to do? We need to know that so we can recognize that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13 says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them. That could be translated, recognize. To recognize them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. This is referring again to spiritual authority. Spiritual authority cannot be forced. It cannot be imposed. Because people can just walk away. They have free will. It's easier to impose authority in a hierarchical structure like the army or uh, a workplace, things of that nature. But even then, you can choose to walk away. And now you have no more authority over me. Spiritual authority cannot be imposed. Spiritual authority can only operate through voluntary recognition of and submission to that authority. If there is someone over me, It's because I recognize God's authority in that man and I submit myself unto it. That's how it's got to work. If I don't do do those two things, well, if I don't recognize His authority, I'm not going to submit to His authority, right? I've got to recognize it first and then I've got to submit myself to it. And then I am under authority. And then I have my place in the body of Christ, in, in the ecclesia. There's a phrase I found, you want to bring up a ruler, train a servant. We must be servants first. We must learn to serve first before God will ever place us in a position of leadership. What do we esteem these people for? Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. What works are we talking about? Correction? Admonition? They put us in our place when we're wrong? They give us a good swift kick in the fourth point of contact when we need it. Amen. That's an airborne thing. (laughs) That's what we love, folks. That's what we love them for. They admonish us. It takes a friend to tell us when we're wrong. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. One guy said, I often regret that I haven't been friendly enough with some people. I can relate to that. It takes a friend to correct someone. 
First Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, we must recognize the gifts that God has given to us and to others. We must allow the exercise of that gift or office to the glory of God. That's our part, our responsibility one toward another, is recognition. We must recognize each other's offices and make room for that. This is not a one-size-fits-all assembly. This is not a one-personality-fits-all assembly. There are all kinds of personalities, all kinds of gifts and talents, all kinds of offices that God calls people to. And we need every single one of them in His ecclesia. Amen. We're going to conclude in just a moment. But to emphasize again, the awesome, the terrifying level of responsibility and authority that He has placed in His church. We need to recognize that. First of all, we need to submit ourselves to that. The King of Kings. But then we also need to go forth in that office and exercise the power and authority of Jesus Christ through His ecclesia. We must. We must do that. That is how God has chosen to run this thing. He is going to exercise. If we don't do it, folks, it won't get done. If we don't do it, His, his authority remains stopped up. His power remains stopped up. I don't know why He's chosen to do it this way, but that's the way He wants to do it. I don't know why He just doesn't intervene directly. Why He doesn't just bypass me. Why do I have to go talk to people? Why do I have to teach a Bible study? Why did He have to send Paul to someone else to get the Holy Ghost? Ananias. Why didn't God just fill him? That's the way God has designed it. That's the way He's chosen to do it. He's going to operate through His church. He's going to operate through you and me. And His power and His authority are the same. It's the same thing. They come through the church. They come through the ecclesia. And if they don't come through us, folks, they just, they're not going to be manifest. It's not going to get done. If we don't pray, if we don't exercise the authority, God will not move. He's waiting on us. When we move, He will enforce. When we decree, He will back it up. Someone, I can't remember the guy's name. I think it was family camp. The guy talked about releasing his authority. Bringing his authority back in. Men's camp. It was a uh, Hispanic guy. Yeah, from Chicago, I think. Brother Gar- yeah, maybe. He was talking about that. And I thought he was a little bit I thought that was a little bit too much at the time. Gonzalez, okay. He talked about that. I thought that was a little bit at the time. Uh I'd never heard anything like that before. So I started looking into that. I disagreed with him. But now I think he's onto something. I'm sure he would be happy that I agree with him. But uh <laughs> Finally, but uh, in any case, uh, I, I think there's something to that. And I think, I think we're missing a huge part of the puzzle if we're not actively seeking that, if we're not involved in that. That's one aspect of the church that God designated that He would work through is His ecclesia, His governing body. His governing body, the place where His rod will go forth from is through this church, through the, His assembly. And we have got to start accepting that we are in that place of authority. We have, got to start, we have got to start getting comfortable with exercising the authority of God on His behalf, for His, His economy, His kingdom. Again, all of that, not for me, not for you, but for Him. We understand all of that. But we need to stop being so careful about it, and we need to start moving forward in it. Are you going to make mistakes? You bet you are. 
Because you're going to try to do something. Anytime you do something, you're going to make a mistake. You start being used in the gifts of the Spirit. People make mistakes. Have you heard any, any weird tongues and interpretation? I haven't heard any myself, but I've, I've heard some people tell some doozies. God, through the Holy Ghost, wishing someone a, a happy birthday. God, through the Holy Ghost, telling them how hard it was. I could barely make it myself. <clears throat> I'm not sure that's God. <laughs> Just maybe, maybe that's not God. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to get stuff wrong. Don't worry about that. Fix it. Move on. We've got to get this down. If God has called us to do something, folks, we need to be about it. If God has placed us in a position, we need to exercise that position. Period. I don't need to question Him why. I don't need to be like Moses. Well, you know, we've got this going on and that can't happen because and, and I can't do that. God knows all of that. And He's doing it through you anyway. He's calling you to do it anyway. So stop making excuses. Stop finding reasons why you can't do something for God. Start finding reasons why you can do something for God. Start looking for reasons why I can excel at the calling, the gifts that God has given me. Start finding reasons why I can, why I will accomplish the will of God in my life. Throw those excuses out. They're stupid. Can I say that? They're stupid. Excuses are dumb. Excuses come from the enemy. That's why they're dumb. Because he's dumb. He's a moron. Stop listening to him. The Word of God says that you are an overcomer. The Word of God says that you are delivered from sin, the power of sin and death. The Word of God says that you live from victory to victory. The Word of God says you are a child of the King. The Word of God says you have power and authority. Over everything. Over all the works of the enemy. So use that. Exercise that. Don't question them why. I suppose you can if you want. I have. I'm still waiting. Maybe you can get something out of them. I just get directed back to the Word of God. So, just do it. doesn't matter. doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter who you used to be. doesn't matter what your personality is. doesn't matter what you've been through or what you haven't been through. Do it. Do what God wants us to do. And I'll go there with you. Yeah, try again. Try again. Absolutely. Get back up one more time then you get knocked down. That's the definition of victory, folks. Amen. Let's all stand. You can come to the front if you prefer. You can stay in the pew if you prefer. But let's call out to God. If this seemed like a little bit too much, and I think it did for some of you, it certainly did for me, ask God to confirm it. Ask God to talk to you about it. Ask God to show you Scriptures or, or lead you into this is right or this isn't right. But in any case, talk to God. If you're convinced, this is what we need to do. Ask God to help you accept your position, to know your position, and to start moving forward in that. We need to know each other's position, office. We need to recognize that office. Amen. Let's pray. Let's seek the face of God. Let's call out on Him. Lord Jesus, I believe it's Your desire for us to move forward in You. To move forward in the office. I still think that for a lot of us, we're still living like spiritual beggars, spiritual paupers. Living on scraps. Living on the crumbs that fall from the Master's table. I think for some of us, maybe in this church, maybe online, we haven't exercised the office that You've called us to. We haven't understood the office that You've called us to. We haven't understood who we are in You. 
I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, that we would begin once and for all to finally and wholly understand who we are in You. To understand the authority, the power that You have vested in Your assembly, that You have vested in Your church. To understand that Your rod does go forth from here. That You are ruling today, but You're ruling through Your church, Your ecclesia. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that we would accept the office that we've been given. That we would accept the place in Your body that You have placed us in. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mephibosheth had to, at some point in his life, accept the fact that I'm now eating at the king's table. I'm eating at the king's table. Period. This is where I'm supposed to be now. Help us to accept the same truth. That we were a long ways off. We were enemies to the cross of Christ. But now we are your sons and your daughters. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us to accept that. Help us to know that. Help us to walk forward confidently and boldly in this truth that we are a son and a daughter of the Most High God, that we are a member of the Ecclesia, that we are a member of Your church. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And I pray for men especially, that we would stop being weak-willed, that we would stop being spineless, that we would stop being cowards in one way or another, as, as men in this country, as, as men in the churches of this country, that we would not accept the, the, the current doctrine, the current dogma of this world, but that we would accept the doctrine of Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. That we would rule and reign. That we would accept our rightful place. Hallelujah, Jesus. That we would be the initiators in our services. That we would be the initiators in our homes and in our families. Hallelujah, Jesus. That we would initiate spiritual things in our communities, in our workplaces. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, give us a holy boldness now, I pray. Let a holy boldness set upon, set, settle upon this assembly right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And open our eyes of faith. Lord, give us revelation of truth today. Give us revelation of truth because we can only receive spiritual truth through the Spirit of God. It can only, we can only receive it by the revelation through Your Spirit. Help us to receive it today, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And when we receive it, Lord Jesus, help us to walk forward confidently in that. Boldly, not arrogantly, not presumptuously, but confidently. Confidently because we understand now who You have created us to be. Boldly now because we understand that this is where You desire us to be. This is where You've wanted us to be from the very beginning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us to know truth. Help us to know truth, Lord Jesus. To be persuaded of it. To be convinced of it. To walk forward confidently in it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let Your will be enacted through us. Let Your rod go forth through Zion. From Zion. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God.